Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Brianne Gertzen, the head of the Manitoba Health Coalition on the switch from ER to urgent care over at Concordia. Aline Chowdhury on the latest job action by his unionized transit workers and the voice of the Bombers, our voice of the Bombers, Bob Irving, on the preseason win against Edmonton. And we'll talk about Coach O'Shea as well. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now the podcast. Concordia no longer having an ER, it is now urgent care. Brianne Gertson is the director of the Manitoba Health Coalition, and she joins us on the phone now. Good afternoon, Brianne. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for doing this. So uh, your thoughts on changeover? Uh, well, I think the, the whole healthcare overhaul has been marked by confusion and chaos, and the changeover was very unexpected in the timelines. Uh, we were told it would be the end of June and then quickly told uh, with about five days' notice that it was actually, in fact, turning to an urgent care centre right away, uh, giving Northeast uh, residents very little notice that their ER was, in fact, closing and becoming an urgent care uh, center sooner than they had anticipated. You know, I won't disagree with you on that. I've, I've been saying for the last half hour that I think in the past many, many years, our healthcare system has mm-hmm. not, and I'm a taxpayer like everybody else, in my mm-hmm. opinion, the system has not worked very well. I want to mm-hmm. give these changes a chance. I agree it hasn't been perfect, and there have certainly been some missteps along the way. But how do you feel about my overall argument that it hasn't been working? We've got to try something different. Most definitely. I think that's what you hear across the healthcare sector. For example, if you talk to anybody, even whether a frontline worker or in the administration or just a regular taxpayer like you or I, mm. uh, the healthcare system did need to see some changes. However, um, when you're making those changes in isolation and, and not going to your frontline workers to get report backs of how exactly your plan is being operationalized and whether or not you're seeing the outcomes that you had anticipated, that's when we want to raise flags of concern. There's uh, many people who have been calling for health care system changes. However, if we're talking about changing our health care system, then we do also need to approach the way in which we go about improving our health care outcomes as well. No question. I would agree completely with you on that. And if that's not happening, uh, it needs to happen. And if it is happening somewhat, it needs to happen more. No, no question about it. Um, now, let's talk about Concordia, because I think the number is almost 70 percent. Uh, people who have gone to Concordia as an ER, almost 70 percent of those people could have been handled as Concordia, which it is now an, an urgent care. And so the other 30 percent should be calling 911 and, and getting or getting to an emergency. Anyhow, would you do you dispute those numbers at all or? I think when we're talking about access to emergency care, I think when you're in a medical emergency, uh, it's really about getting that access to that care as soon as possible because every second counts. And when we're looking at a 70-30 split, it would be concerning if you had a 30% person try to access the ER only to be told that they no longer can receive those emergency care services and they need to figure out a way to get to an emergency room quicker. So when we're talking about life and death situations, it's really about having emergency care available to a complete 
segment of uh, Winnipeg that no longer has access to that type of care in a timely manner. So what's the answer here, Brianne, do you think? Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you and I, I think, differ on some things. I'm getting both sides of this from, from the listeners. What do we need to do to try and get this on track then, in your opinion? The, the whole over healthcare overall. Overall, yeah. Let's let's look overall. I mean, the the Concordia change has happened, yep. and we've we've talked about it when other ERs have become urgent mm-hmm. care facilities. So let's let's talk overall. Uh, you know, you as the director of the Manitoba Health Coalition, w- w- more consultation with frontline people. Well, I think actually listening to your frontline workers would be a really good first step. Yep. Uh, but it would also be incumbent upon our government to ensure that they're doing a non-partial review of the actual changes that have taken place. We had Dr. Peachy, who was the crafter of the plan, come in to evaluate his own plan. Uh, and we would become from the position that uh, in order to evaluate what is actually occurring, it would be mindful and, and the right approach to really have a, a fresh set of eyes, kind of look at what's taking place, what's working what's not working, and try to develop a more comprehensive plan to get us to the places that we all want to be at, which is accessible, quality, universal public health care. Do you think this is still politic? I mean, it's politics. I guess maybe I've answered my own question. Because Peachy was given this job by the former NDP government, right? Most definitely. And I think it's really about it. Uh, anybody could could go about the, the actual report itself. It's now they're taking the report and operationalizing it. And that can look different from whichever government is at the helm. Right. And so I would say the same thing if we had an NDP government and things weren't going well, that they needed to stop, press right. pause on the overhaul and really have an evaluation because healthcare cuts across party lines. It really uh, is incumbent upon us to start viewing healthcare as something that affects all of us and stop kind of uh, the partisan politics, if you so how then does a guy like me read the numbers that we get uh, from the WRHA that show we are seeing improvements with these changes? Um, I think those are very isolated uh, reports. And again, it's not an impartial source. I would want to see somebody actually doing an evaluation as a system as a whole, as opposed to these uh, little isolated incidences, uh, because it is a, a massive system. And one report off isn't really telling the whole picture. And it's really incumbent upon us to get the whole picture. Yeah, I will say this, and I've said this many times before. Uh We've got issues with our health care system in the province of Manitoba, but I'll tell you what is not wrong is the mm-hmm. people. We have great people working mm-hmm. in, in health care, and it does concern me that, uh, you know, some of the complaints that I'm hearing from the nurses' union, for example, that was a recent one uh, here on CGOB, that does concern me. Um, but as a taxpayer, I just feel like we, we've got to give something a try and... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'll leave it there and give you the final word. Uh, I, I agree we need to give something a try, but that means actually ensuring that we're listening to those frontline workers, and it's not just nurses, it's aides as well. Uh, it's every kind of facet that uh, work within the healthcare system, and I too am a taxpayer, yep. uh, and I want to see a healthcare system that works not just for uh, the select few, but all of us. And that means um, being critical about what we're doing, but also um, talking about those social determinants of health. That means meaningfully addressing poverty issues, meaningfully addressing our housing crisis, and really taking a look at those root causes of what the meth crisis is, uh, is as a symptom. Brianne, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for uh, having me. Yeah, Brianne Gertson is the director of the Manitoba Health Coalition. Right now, I'd like to get on the head of the transit union, Aleem Chowdhury. Before we uh, talk to Mr. Chowdhury, Global News reporter Merrick Takash tells us 
What's happening with this situation right now? The transit union is announcing an indefinite ban on voluntary overtime for all of its members. This comes after the union voted 97% against the city's second offer on Friday. They've been working without a contract since January. The union's previous job action included telling drivers not to enforce bus fare on May 14th. Global News reporter Merrick Takash. And joining us on the phone now, Aleem Chowdhury, the head of the Amalgamated Transit Union 1505. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Thank you for doing this. Explain how this indefinite ban on voluntary overtime for your members is going to work. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just the start of our uh, uh, job action right now. And it's uh, just the one way to let the city know that, uh, hey, listen, I'm uh, let, let's sit down and let's have a conversation and let's work things out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we haven't met for quite a while, and uh, our membership uh, voted down their last offer, which they said it was a final offer, the city said, and uh, it was rejected by uh, almost 97%. And no new talks are planned, as far as you know? Uh, no, uh, but we do understand, and I did got an email that uh, they want to go to conciliator at this point, and uh, I don't think that we're too far apart to uh, consider that at this time. Yeah, it does seem like your members are not very happy with these offers. 97%, a few more voted in favor this time, but still overwhelmingly no. What's missing in this offer from the city? What do your members want? Well, but the biggest thing they want is they want respect, and I mean, also, like, you know, the working conditions have to improve. And when I say working conditions, the scheduling has to be improved. We have schedules that nobody's able to keep up with, unfortunately. And it's stressing our people out. The people are taking too much time off, and uh, it's affecting their family life, their personal lives. And uh, this is something that has to be addressed. And uh, at this point, the transit is just ignoring that whole thing. Like, they think that uh, the only thing is um, just the uh, money. Yes, it is money. And uh, But at the same time, the working conditions are very, very important. And what they have put on the table is right now they want uh, part-timers. Part-timers they want to bring in at about $10 less an hour roughly and uh, with no benefits at all whatsoever, no pension plan. And currently right now as it is, there's about a 10% turnover in uh, in the operators right now. And if you think that uh, paying the top wages that they are right now, for the top rate, if they're having a hard time keeping those people, uh, how are they going to be able to provide a... Uh, service that's very, very important to uh, our uh, writers out there. You've got the ban on OT right now. Will this job action escalate? Have you got other possible plans if uh, talks don't continue or or things don't improve? Well, we're hoping, like I said before, like we're hoping that they will improve, but if they don't improve, yes, we have other plans in mind. Uh, I don't want to discuss them at this time, but uh, yes, we are prepared for that. And why not the conciliator? You said you're too far apart. You don't think a conciliator could help you get there? Well, at this time, the uh, the city had, oh, like I said, we are too far apart, and uh, uh, we we cannot have any concessions. And the no part timers have to come off the table. And we will just sit down and discuss all these things. But why not discuss them before the conciliation? Conciliation, uh, from my understanding and my opinion, is when you are close enough that you could get a deal going. At this time, with uh, our members voting down the contract for the second time in a row within months at uh, the high 90s, you know, 98 and 96%, you know, there is a big, big problem, and that has to be uh, addressed by the city and management 
and maybe there needs to be uh, changes to, to management that have to take place. Unfortunately, that does so our uh, membership feels. Is the level of frustration growing among your membership as well? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, nobody wants to be in this position, and we don't like it as much as anybody else, but uh, it's an unfortunate thing that has to be done. And uh, like I said, uh, we want to get back on the t- at the table and work out a fair deal to everybody, but uh, the working conditions are very, very high priority, and uh, if the city or the uh, transit management uh, has not heard in the past, and I'm making it very clear that they have to be addressed, and there is no ifs and buts about it. Please let us know if uh, a return to the table happens, all right? I will do. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. I know. That is uh, the president of the Amalgamated Transit Union, 1505 Aleem Chowdhury. Going long, he's got Dylan Schrott at the five. Touchdown, Dylan Schrott, the Manitoba Bison. What a highlight for him. Look at all the players going down to congratulate him. That's a big moment. Wow, what a fantastic play. That's awesome. That is uh, definitely one of the highlights from the other night as the Bombers won their first preseason game here at IG Field against Edmonton. And the man who made the call right there, Bob Irving, joins us on the phone now. Hello, Knuckles. How you doing, Hal? Well, how did it feel to be calling a football game again? <laughs> well, it was fun. You know, these preseason games are I use the word mundane. I yeah. think that applies. Uh, but, uh, no, when you're kind of hard to describe unless you've done a play-by-play and uh, my guess is most of the listeners have yeah i <laughs> haven't i haven't so yeah. when you're when you're doing a game you sort of feel like you're in it and it's never as bad as the people outside recognize that it is so <laughs> yeah i guess it was a it was a typical preseason game it didn't have a lot of great plays because of so many different players but uh for me, it was uh, it was fun, and there was lots going on. Yeah. Uh, any uh, players or plays, I mean, that was the only touchdown, any players stick out after uh, a game, uh, one preseason game? We got one more coming. Yeah, well, the receiver that we talked a lot about, uh, Kenny Lawler had a real good game. Hal, he dropped the pass, but uh, he made some nice catches and certainly looks like he's going to win a job. I think we all were impressed with Brady Oliveira, the a Winnipeg product, a running back, the first time he carried the ball, he ripped off a 15-yard game, yeah. which is kind of cool to see. Uh, Brian Bennett looked good at quarterback. He got you know quite a bit of playing time. Matt Nichols didn't play in the game at all, and Chris Streveler only played the first quarter, but Bennett uh, got a lot of action after that, and, and he looked really good. Uh, defensively, they just had so many players in and out rotating that it was kind of hard to to finger anybody that did anything spectacular, but I know the coaches were overall pleased with the, with the work of everybody. So. Yeah, and it's a win, and I mean, that's good. I mean, you know, it's, it is a preseason game, but it's nice to win. Yeah, and they should have won that game because Edmonton brought virtually all backups. And right. So the home team typically plays more veterans, and the home team's expected to win these games. They don't always, uh, but I think on this night it was expected the Bombers would emerge victorious, and they did. And we'll see more Matt Nichols in the second and final preseason game. We'll see him. As a matter of fact, I just got back from the delayed practice, Hal, because of a threat of lightning. They left the field for about half an hour. Um, And Michael Shea said that Matt Nichols will play in Regina, but he's unable to say how much he'll play because that will depend on kind of the flow and, uh, you know, how Matt feels as the first quarter is going along and all that good stuff. So I, my guess is he'll play 
maybe a quarter, but probably no more than that. Yeah, the reason I wanted to have you on more than to talk about this, uh, the preseason games, is to tee up the fact that you and Coach O'Shea, Mike O'Shea, will have your very first coaches show tonight, 7 o'clock here on CJOB. Yeah, we got lots to talk about, too, because there's still almost 90 players in camp, and there's, uh, you know, a half dozen spots that are really being competed hard for, Hal, and so we'll focus in on those and uh, speak in general terms about different areas of the team and some of the new players, and of course we encourage the listeners to either text or phone and speak to the coach. Uh, There aren't many head coaches of professional teams in North America, in North America, that sit down weekly and expose themselves to the public in terms of answering questions. And so what we have going on with the Bomber head coach is, is quite unique, uh, and uh, and the fans get their first chance to participate in it tonight. You know, that's a really good point, Bob, because, um, and the thing I like about the coaches show is, Mike will take on anything. He'll he'll you he doesn't. Uh, I mean, you tell me. I don't think he's ever said I don't want to talk about that. Has he? No, he uh, he will. Uh, now nah, he won't answer. I, I don't think to the satisfaction of right, some of the callers sure. when they question but him. He'll but he'll take them all on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, he will say, "Well, look, I you know I can't uh, get into that, or that's you yeah. know that's something that's internal, and we just don't discuss that." Right. In most times, yeah. uh, whatever the question is, and even if it's a you know, sometimes people are rude. Uh, even if yeah. they are, he will <laughs> keep his composure <laughs> and uh, answer in a very sort of uh, professional and, and civilized way. And I, I have great admiration for the I way he too. handles it. Yeah. He's, he, he's really a first class in, in dealing with that. Well, you know what? And it's it's a respect. He respects the fans. He understands that they're passionate, and he appreciates that passion, I think. You know, and this Grey Cup drought, Hal, it's interesting you say that. Mike is very aware of that, as is everybody in that bomber organization. And he has said more than once uh, on the show the last couple of years that uh, while, you know, the 29 years really isn't the the fault of the people here, now they own it, or they feel that they partially own it anyway. Look, it's, it's been a long time since yeah. the Bombers won the Grey Cup, and it is now their responsibility to put an end to that and to bring the Cup back here. And he recognizes that fully, and he embraces it, and he's doing his darndest to, to make sure that it happens. I talked to your broadcast partner, Doug Brown, on, on Friday, and it was perfect because I was able to, I got off the air, I was able to listen to the pregame show driving up to the lake, and I got to the lake and I, you know, cracked open the, the bottle and got in the screen room just in time to hear the uh, the actual call of the game. So uh, it was it was perfect. But, you know, even Doug Brown seems to think that all this, the Bombers this year seem to be fired. They've got all the pieces they need, whether or not they'll fire on every cylinder and win a cup. But even Doug, as you said before, likes the looks of this team, every aspect of it. Yeah, I, I think, Hal, we all recognize it, and not just Doug and I. I think uh, the football reporters and uh, people who watch the game closely, the Canadian game closely across the country are all saying the same thing, that the Bombers look really good. Uh, and so does Calgary, even though they've lost some key players. And then some of the, the rest of the teams are a lot of question marks over them, but there's fewer question marks, fewer question marks surrounding the Bombers. They've had three good years in a row. Uh, this is a solid core of players here now. And, yeah, there's a feeling across the country 
that this bomber team is a team that has as good a chance as any to win it all. I think the word he used was balanced. The team is very yep. balanced, right? You don't have one mark, huge, marquee, you know, crazy player you went out and spent all your money on. Like, there are great players right across the board. Yeah, they have depth. They have depth yeah. at quarterback, depth at running back, on the offensive line, on defense, everywhere. Yeah, They just look really, really solid. Having said that, they still have questions to answer, and that's what Thursday night will do, Al, with the final preseason game in Regina. But tonight... We bring the coach into the studio and yep. we sit him down in the chair and we'll spend an hour getting to the bottom of some of these competitions that are going on in this training camp. Good stuff. 7 o'clock tonight, you and Coach O'Shea. And then on Thursday, what time's the pregame on Thursday? Yeah, pregame's at 6 and the play-by-play is at 8. It's at 7 in Saskatchewan, but, you know, they're an hour behind us, typical of most things in Saskatchewan. How they're a little <laughs> bit behind us. So it'll be 7 in Saskatchewan, but that's 8 here because we're about an hour ahead of them. Bob, I can't believe you just said that about your hometown, Regina. Oh, I'm just having fun. I know you are. I know. I you know, know that, Al. Bob, but they uh, are a little bit behind us. Al. A you little bit. That. A little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Bob, thanks a lot. We'll look okay. forward to uh, a chat with Coach and you tonight, and then Thursday night, the Riders and the Bombers. Thanks a lot. You bet. Bob Irving, the voice of the blue, the big blue, the Bombers, here on CJOB. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.